we're going to jump into the Word. How many of you guys excited about the Word? Come on. How many of you know the Word is sharp and it's powerful, right? The Word of God really is able to go to the interior parts of our heart and, and, and divide soul and spirit and really get into the heart of the matter of what God wants to accomplish on the inside of us. And so we've been in this uh, Servolution series where God is raising up an army of great people that manifest his greatness in the earth through serving. Remember when Jesus said, those who are going to be the greatest among you are going to be the servant of, the servant of all, right? And so this is where greatness is found, but I think there's been skewed perspective around this in so many ways. And so last week we talked about what does it look like to actually be a part of a family, a family of God. This, these are the ones who he's going to use to work through, to serve the people of the earth, including our own enemies. Isn't that amazing? So we looked at that last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you, go and listen to that message online. We, we looked at the word obey. Jesus said, whoever obeys uh, the will of my father are my mother and my brothers and my sisters and so forth, are my true family. And we went into the seven sub-meanings of obey, and I think it was insightful even for myself just to learn and grow more and what that actually looks like to walk as a spiritual family. So your family that you're a part of. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk about the family again, but our authority. Everybody say our authority. Say it again, our authority. This is massively important. If we get this message today, we might just be the most dangerous people on the planet to the enemy's kingdom. Come on. When you realize your authority in Christ and, and what we've been given to him as a spiritual family, it's a, it's a complete and total game changer. So let's just look at this verse to kind of launch us off. It's found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And this is pre-cross, by the way, pre-crucifixion of Jesus, where John the baptizer, John the Baptist, is going around and he's, he's preaching. He's making, actually the word means he's making an announcement. All right? And look what it says here. It says, it was at this time that John the baptizer began to preach or announce or declare in the desert of Judah, and here was his message. Look at verse 2. He says, the realm of heaven's kingdom is about to appear, so repent or change the way you think. Let me just say that part of the verse again. The realm of heaven's, everybody say the word with me, kingdom is about to appear, so change the way you think. Holy Spirit, would you help me today to somehow connect to your grace and bring forth something that would be able to be heard and be able to be seen, not because of my communication abilities, but because you are speaking to the heart. Would you wake us up to this beautiful authority that we carry in you today and be forever changed as we get ready to go out into the world once again this next week. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. 
Did you know the Bible, if you look at it from A to Z, and I've been studying the Word of God for over 30 years, it's about the restoration, really, of God's kingdom on this planet. It's not about religion. The Bible, hear me, is not about religion. It's about His kingdom being restored on the earth through you and me. Do you know, if you take a look at religion, and, and what I mean by religion, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about people's sincere you know, heart connection to God. I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about religion, right? Human beings are very religious creatures. And, and, and religion, I believe, is, is the greatest enemy of the kingdom. Now this I'm, might stretch you a little bit this morning, but just go with me here. Don't trigger and check out. But I want to just submit that the greatest enemy of the kingdom is not atheism. It's, it's not sinners. It's, it's, it's not even some of the things that we might fill in the blank and think, man, this is what's keeping the kingdom of God from coming to our city and to our, to our nation. Religion is the greatest enemy of these things. What do I mean by that? Well, religion is man's attempt to satisfy his emptiness. Man's attempt to satisfy emptiness. You know, if you, you look around and you're kind of awakened to this, you'll see that religion parades itself as a substitute for the kingdom because it pretends to provide, uh, pretends that it has what it needs to provide for the very needs of our heart. And at the end of the day, everyone, and I've been there myself, uh, gets to the place where religion, they discover that religion does not ultimately satisfy. And you have a choice there when you get to that place. You're like, well, man, my attempt to, to find satisfaction in my heart through whatever religious activities or do's and don'ts didn't satisfy me, you have one of two choices. You can either stop asking and stop seeking and just endure religion. One that is reduced to programs and lacks experiential, relational connection to God. Or you can begin to seek and ask and look for relational connection to God even greater. Which, by the way, he's actually seeking and looking for that with you way more than we're looking for that with him. It's where you come back and you go, wow, God, I just receive your initiative toward my heart. Mankind's not looking for religion, we're looking for relationship. Mankind isn't looking for programs, we're looking for purpose. Is anybody awake this morning? Is this mic on? I'm not sure if it's recording here today. This, this, this is what mankind is looking for. So at Harbor, we're not going to give them religion, we're going to give them Relationship. We're going to talk about relationship all the time. We're not going to give you programs. We're going to talk to you about your purpose. This time of equipping and the things that we do around this is going to propel you into what you're called to do. And there's great beauty in that. 
The kingdom of God is not a religion. I believe you know that the kingdom does not have any members. Ooh, that one hurt? A little bit, a little religious. Ooh, what do you mean no members in the kingdom? It has citizens. Citizens. And there's a big difference because membership is by privilege. When I was a little kid, my dad was doing well in his business and he was a part of a country club. My parents at this time were divorced, but we'd go over there and I would get this card that would give me entrance into this country club. And not only would it give me entrance into the country club, I could buy anything with that card that I wanted as an eight-year-old kid. And I took full advantage of those privileges. Can I get another hamburger, please? Can I get an ice cream cone? And finally, my dad got the bill at the end of the month. He said, Darren, what have you been doing? I said, Dad, exercising my privileges here at this country club. But not everybody's allowed those privileges, right? Not everybody has the opportunity to go to certain places or be a part of certain things based on privilege. So this is what's beautiful about the kingdom is it's about citizenship. Citizenship is by right, or a better way of saying it, by birthright. You're a part of something bigger than yourselves because of birthright. You have been born in to this reality. You know, one of the things that I was just kind of studying here a little bit, and that's why I started off with the verse that I did, is a king never shows up unannounced. Did you know that? Look, look in even natural kingdoms of the world. Wherever that king is going to be going, he will send heralds ahead of him. Back in the old day, you see this in the old movies of kingdoms and stuff like in different nations, and there would be this herald and he would have this piece of parchment with like an announcement on it, but then he would speak out, hear ye, hear ye, right? Getting people's attention. The king is coming. King just never just shows up in a place. He comes to places as it is announced. You guys feeling some stuff on this where I'm kind of going with this a little bit? It's, it's important for us to lift our voices. Don't let your voice get shut down. You're a herald for God. We see this announcement at his first advent in the verse that I just read where John says, change the way you think because the kingdom of God is about to appear. Why? Because Jesus was going to get launched into his ministry, which was the restoration of the kingdom of God on the earth through human beings. Right? And so from the day and moment that he was, was in essence, like released to do this, for 30 years he didn't do any of it, really. He just was obedient to the Father, learned and grew, grew in his relationship with the Father, came to understand all of the things of, of his Father's kingdom and who he actually was as the Son of God. And then he began to tell people to repent or change the way they think, just like John did. Repent, to change, think about this, 
change the way we have been, and this is an important word, conditioned to think. Darren, what's with the whole transform people, transforming culture thing? Well, listen, culture that's not rooted in the kingdom conditions people to think a certain way. Hello? How many of you know the culture of this world is conditioning people to a specific belief system? And that's why we need something to come in an opposite spirit that conditions people to think like God thinks. You will have my thoughts. You will know my ways. You will be just like me in terms of your persona. If you allow the leaven of the love of my kingdom could condition your heart to who you were truly and authentically created to be. I'm going to say this gently, but I want you to hear me. Even within the religion of Christianity, Do you know Christianity can just be another religion? It's, I mean, there's sincere people sitting in churches all across this region today, but there can be, you know, just religious rote, if you will, to make it just another religion. That, unfortunately, causes us to interpret the Bible through our cultural interpretation. Isn't that crazy? You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say, in essence, through your cultural interpretation. This is going on right now massively in our country. Is this okay or is this a little too heavy this morning? I want to, let's lighten up. Everybody just kind of smile a little bit, just kind of... Loosen it, roll your shoulders back. Everything's going to be okay, all right? Everything's going to be just fine. Thank you, thank you. I got two heralds, one here and one back there. Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. (laughs) The problem is, is that if our concepts are wrong, then our conclusions are wrong. Can you imagine living your whole life Given your heart to a belief system that's concepts were completely off target. And thus the conclusions of what you had in your heart. Can you imagine standing before God in that moment? Going, I gave every breath of my life with all of this energy, all of this time, all this money to something that actually wasn't even on target with where you were trying to take me. So Jesus, look at this with me, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, this is when he is now commissioned. So John the Baptist came as a herald to prepare the way for a king. How many of you know that Jesus was, uh, say it with me, king? He wasn't a president, he wasn't just a prophet, He, he was a king, okay? that was coming after this herald had made a way for him. And we see in verse 17 where Jesus says, from that time on until he died, literally, and then even after he rose again, he began to proclaim the message with with these words. 
keep turning away from your sins, if you will, and come back to God. Or in other words, it's a, the better translation I think here is repent or change the way that you think for kingdoms, heaven, for kingdoms, hev, sorry, for heaven's kingdom realm is, look at this with me, now accessible. Before John the Baptist said, it's about to come, it's about to appear. But he, Jesus is saying, as he's been inaugurated to release his message and proclaim these things, he says, it is now accessible. Religion pushes everything off into the future. So many of us have been conditioned through our church experiences to just look for one thing and one thing alone, and that's a heaven to one day come when they're missing out on the heaven that he wants to come into your hearts right now. Heaven, when we talk about heaven, we're talking not, not about a place that, that, that we're going to exist forever. In fact, it says that the Lord and the saints will come back where? To the earth and bring the life of God here. What's beautiful about this pronouncement of Jesus is when a king shows up in a place, which is wild to me to process this, like Jerusalem, for example. Did you know the entire authority of his kingdom or the father's kingdom was right there with him wherever he went? In other words, can you, we, I don't know if we're really ca capturing Everything that the Father has in his authority and power. This, by the way, is the one who spun the galaxies into place. This is the one when he holds his hands out, all the stars just reside and fit on the inside of his hand. We're talking more authority, more power, more glory than we can even imagine. Even with Jesus. The disciples thought they had seen him for who he really was at moments, even Mount of Transfiguration. But then it was when John was taken up and he saw this one and saw who he was seated next to, the Father. It said he fell down on his face like he was a dead man. He was so overcome by the beauty of this glory. Now here's the reality is that when that glory rests on a king, and we're gonna get into this in just a minute, and then upon that king's servants, wherever we go, the entirety of that authority goes with us. It's portable. Are you following me? It's not just reserved for a church service on Sunday morning. One of the goals that we've had in the past with the body of Christ is to have just, you know, continual meetings. You know, like just, okay, God starts to move, let's have another meeting. Let's have, a, you know, let's, let's keep this, keep extending the meetings. Where that's all good and well, but are we taking the portable glory of what God's doing in those meetings that resides on the inside of us out wherever we go? Just a question. You know, super simple gospel, Jesus came to restore what mankind had lost, which was righteous, write this down, righteous authority, not just authority, are you following me? But righteous authority to exercise dominion in the earth. In other words, to see the kingdom of God come into this world. That's what Jesus came back to restore to us. 
Another way of saying it that might be a little more practical for us this morning is that he restored mankind's ability to serve people or to love other people in the right way. You want to hear what the right way is? Love people as he has loved you. You want to talk about a world being turned upside down? The body of Christ gets righteous authority and awakens to the fact that we actually are empowered and have the grace given to him by this one who is seated in heaven to go wherever he calls us to go and to love people in the same exact way that he loved us. Come on. That right there. That. What if we just, what if life was just about that? Learning what love really looks like. By the one who created it, the Father, and Jesus connects us as a bridge, if you will, as this, as this one who helped us get past the chasm of this brokenness to this one who holds all authority in his hands and thus then disperses it to us and say, hey, go. Now do what I've called you to do. Love other people. Look at this with me. You guys might get out of here early today. Can I get an amen? Come on. We're moving through this pretty good. This is good. Plus, Jeremiah gave me a couple more minutes. Thank you, my brother. But look at 423, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus ministered from, what does it say? Place to place. He was told to be here one day. The next day, God told him to go somewhere else. We need to be sensitive to that. Place to place, and I would submit even people to people. Certain times, God's highlight was, was, was being given to Jesus to where he was to go and who he was to minister to. What if we did that? Instead of just went through religious programming of who we're going to go and minister to based on what Harbor Church has on its schedule. Ooh, talk about flipping the script. What if the entire body knew that they were released at all times to go from place to place and carry their authority into those spaces? Oh, we didn't have to wait for a fifth Sunday or whatever, right? And it says that he taught in the synagogues, or he, he was a herald, in essence, preaching, this is such a beautiful text. I love this. Preaching hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. Another way of saying that last part is he was bringing wholeness. So he was preaching hope and he was bringing wholeness. I've said this to you guys a million times before, but we are brokers of hope who are called to go bring wholeness to our world. That is broken. And as he makes us whole, we're empowered by his grace to go make others whole, right? Hope and wholeness is important because it's, it's both evidence that the kingdom of God is present now and a realization that God's promises are yes and amen for our lives. You want to, do you want to spark something in the, in the world? Let, let like 
stuff not just be 100% deferred for the future. Sometimes that's the case, even for my own mother. She believed God for healing right up until the day she dies. But she did get her promise ultimately, right? So I, I see and understand. I'm not, I'm not saying 100% of everything, you know, at, at the moment is going to just just come to pass based on the promises of the Lord. Sometimes we, we, we have to give that to God intention, like, Lord, I don't understand why, but here's what I believe. That there's evidence that a kingdom is present, that he wants to work through our lives, and he wants to see a realization of God's promises over people. All right, just shifting gears a little bit. Structure of a kingdom. Just Because we're, we're, we're all... Anybody was was anybody here born in a kingdom or from another country where there was a kingdom system? Like probably the closest thing nearby to us would be like the Bahamas. I think back in nineteen up till nineteen seventy three they were under um, the United Kingdom. So people that grew up in that they understand actually these principles way more than we do in America that have been born into a democracy. But here's the structure of a kingdom, super simple. There's the king, there's his kingdom, or his domain. What's, what's Jesus' domain? What does the Bible says? It says something like this, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Oh, I thought it was just Pompano Beach. No, 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 no. Pompano Beach is the center of the universe right now because we're here. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but every place on the planet is his domain, unlike any other king. We're talking global rulership here because he's a righteous king. He can do it. So there's a king, there's the king dom or domain, and then there's the royal family. Oh, I got some good news for you guys this morning. There's the royal family. Do you know kings are not voted into power? Did you know that the king's family is not voted in their, into their position of authority? You don't need somebody casting a vote for you to move into what you carry. Authority is in the blood. Oh, you guys aren't getting this. Authority is in the blood. If you're in Christ, you are royalty. This is where when God starts to get in you along those kind of lines, that's where identity is really shaped. When the system of this world has told you you're nobody, you're nothing, you're a has-been, you're a castaway, you don't carry any value, all the lies, right? What if we saw an awakening where the body actually knew their righteous identity in Christ? Royalty, children, of the king. <laughs> to prove this, this, this is the reason why everybody in this room wants to be in control of this life. 
You want control. Don't look at me so humble. Come on. You want to be in control. I was going to say something about marriage, but I'm not going to say it. All I'll say is I'm married to one of the most royal women in the entire universe. She wants dominion. Come on. I'll just leave that right there, okay? We wonder why we were troubled when we owe people money. Why something just doesn't sit right on the inside of us. And yet we feel stuck. Why do we feel that way? Because you were intended to be the lender and not the borrower. Did you know that? That's our inheritance. So the reality that we need to understand is we're kingdom citizens now. We're not waiting till heaven to become kingdom citizens. Think, is that simple enough? Like we're not waiting to become citizens of heaven in some other realm. It's actually available for us now. We're not waiting for authority to come at Jesus' second advent. It'll be fully manifested at that point, 100%, but we're not waiting for it. We have the access to his authority. We have the access to his authority. Okay. The kingdom is growing and expanding now. We're not waiting for that. This is why I mentioned this earlier, but the enemy will use religion to propagate a belief that God's promises to bring wholeness to our lives can and only be realized in some future reality called heaven. And for, unfortunately, many people that may be the case because of what they have believed. Good, sincere people going to church trying to do the best they could but had no concept of their because of what they've been taught. If we believe that, we're living on the wrong side of the cross, man. And, and to be honest, that's one of the most disillusioning things for a generation. I even remember myself in the religion that I was exposed to as a kid, all I saw was Jesus, this guy who was dead on a cross. And I thought that was it. No, that was a means to an end. Do you understand? He just didn't go to that cross to die and just, that's all she wrote. We make the cross, everything about the cross. No, the cross was a means to an end. It was a means to restore us back into where we were supposed to be in our connection with God and the exercising of our authority on the earth just as he had given to Adam in the beginning. To prove this, as I wrap this up, Look at the front side of the cross and the back side of the cross uh, with me for just a minute. We saw the front side here. Jesus, we know, went and was crucified. Look what Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 says. I'm going to give you two examples. So this is front side of the cross. Sorry. Front side. So he's, 
He's eating with his disciples, right? He's having this final supper with them. He said, this is my body. Eat it. Verse 26, verse 27. Then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father, he entered into covenant with them saying, this is my blood. Each of you must drink it to fulfill the covenant. Verse 28. For this is the blood that seals the new covenant and it will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of their sins. Now look at this with me. This is really important. Verse 29. What does he say? The next time that I basically eat and drink with you, the next time I will be with you and we will drink together in a new understanding of the kingdom realm of my father. In other words, something's going to shift the next time we had a meal. Jesus goes to the cross, third day he rises from the dead. Two examples of his appearance to disciples after the cross. One we know probably pretty well, the man on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verse 30 and 31. Look at this quickly. He says, joining them at the table for... Oh! Think about that. He shows up and it's right at supper time. And he joins them at the table. He took the bread and he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them. And then verse 31, as he's eating with them, all of a sudden their eyes were open and they realized it was Jesus. Something was unlocked as he ate with them on the backside of the cross. The kingdom of heaven began to be realized in their lives. Before they were scared, they were running, they were fearful, they, they thought all hope was lost. They thought the promises of God that Jesus had been talking about were not really maybe true after he had been crucified. What about the disciples on the seashore? John chapter 21, verse 9 and 10. When he got to the shore, when they, sorry, the disciples got to the shore. Peter, by the way, was with these disciples and he had quit the ministry. He had given up. They noticed a fire with some roasted fish on it. This is can't make this stuff up. Next appearance, it's around a meal again. Everything's intentional. There's fish being cooked on the fire. And then Jesus tells them, hey, bring some of what you caught. We'll cook, we'll cook some of those things up as well. I just had to actually point, and they just kind of bounced out of the, the, the sea to me and into the fire. So you guys had to go out and, you know, work for it a little bit. That's, that's cool. We'll have some of that too. But, but come sit with me here. Verse 12, I don't think I have this in my notes but, uh, for, for the screen, but you can look it up for yourself. He says, let's have some breakfast. Why? Because he was hungry? No, because he knew how hungry they were. And they needed more than just a nice scrambled omelet with some sliced avocado on the side and some of that million dollar bacon with the maple syrup on it. Are you guys following me? If you are in Christ, you are in the kingdom of God. When you're in the kingdom, there's possibility for total and complete transformation in which he will utilize possible 
in which he will utilize you as a vessel to herald this transformation to other people. Transformation is our birthright. Because we're transformed people and when that actually is realized, we function as our true and most authentic self. Before that, come on, you guys know the story of your life. You were living one way and completely under the influence of another culture. Last thought here as we close. It says, there was this moment on the backside of the cross. It says that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? What's beautiful about that is he's repeating what took place all the way back in Genesis with Adam. Do you remember? He breathed into them and they became what? A living being. So life came into them. And in this moment, he breathed into them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting about this is that Receive is two words. It's re and then an old English word that that was the word sieve, which means to have or possess. But when you put re in front of it, it means to have or possess again. Are you following me? He's telling them what? Adam had for the period of time that he had it. You are getting it again. You were actually, before you were even born, you carried this in your DNA, and I put you on planet Earth for such a time as this. I'm going to send you out with the same authority that I had deemed and destined for Adam, and this time you guys aren't going to blow it. Because you're going to have full perspective being able to look back on the whole transcendence of this, this history in God. You can't receive, receive something that you didn't possess before. It's in your birthright. I'm just trying to make a point here and get this into your hearts. It's in your birthright. Darren, that's not possible for me. Lie, it's in your birthright. Darren, I don't know if it's ever going to happen in my life. Lie, it's in your birthright. Darren, I've tried for so many years to see breakthrough, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Lie, it's in your birthright. Stop trying so hard. Let go and let God. Just get connected to who He is and who you're called to be in Him. breath of life we carry on the inside of us. Would you guys stand with me? You know, when I was with Wendy and we were over in the UK because we were ministering at a couple from Harbors Church in Scotland, did you know there's residue of a kingdom that's different than our nation in, over there? Uh, who's, who's ever been to the UK? Anybody here? Which side of the road did they drive on? It's different. Which is more popular, tea or coffee? It's different. We leave residue that we were in a certain place after we exercise the glory of God's kingdom and people can even sense it and feel it for years and decades to come. 
It's amazing. We leave behind residue of God's work through our lives on the earth. We don't even realize it. Even minimally in people, we leave a mark. John, thank you that you saw the holy city coming down, a people descending from heaven's realm, from the presence of God, like a pleasing bride that had been prepared for her wedding to her husband, the Lamb of God. Jesus, as we have been united with you and made one with your essence, would you come and as we serve you, will we do it out of a place of authority and not out of religion? Will we do it out of, as a place out of relationship and not ritual? Will we do it not out of a place of programs but partnership? Just as we close today, could you just, with your eyes shut, could you just open up your heart? Maybe I think God wants to do something in some of you. There's a repentance happening, meaning you're going to change even today. It's already happening. Some of the ways that you've thought about certain things. Go and study it out to make sure it's, it's the case. Don't take my word for it. But listen, there's some things that have been said today that God wants to utilize to change the way that you've been conditioned to think. If you want that, just... Lift up your hands all of this place. God, I want to think like you think. I want to be in your DNA. I want to be listening and watching and hearing what you're saying. God, I want to be following you. I want to be a follower of the way. Do you know that's what the church was called back in the early days? The way. They were followers of the way. Make that a reality again. Lord, would you breathe on our nation? Would you breathe on this region? Would you begin to breathe on this community? Would you make us followers of the way instead of religious, busy people? God, would you come and would you do something that's completely countercultural to anything and everything that we've known that is anti-Christ or against you, Jesus? Would you come and have your way? Would you come and have your way? I'm going to let the team lift up a song today. You guys are officially dismissed. If you have kids in the nursery, would you please go grab them? But take a little bit of time and just let this sink in as these guys lead us in worship. God bless you guys.
Spend 